Hi everybody, today's guest is not left-handed, he's also not a guitarist, but we will let most people in these days. His name is Simon Merry, he is a drummer, 47, originally from Northampton, now lives in London. Simon's played with many artists over the years, he's also done a lot of theatre, which is how I know him, as we've both been depths on the London production of Mamma Mia for the last seven or eight years. I talked to Simon about his career and what it's like to actually rickroll people for a living. Hi Si. Hello. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. I have had to explain, though, that um, you're not left-handed and you're not a <laughs> guitarist. So, But actually, no. I say that, but you do play guitar, don't you? I do play a little bit of guitar. Not, I mean, I, I couldn't do a gig unless you've got one for me, but um, well, <laughs> I'm, definitely, I'm definitely not a left-handed guitar. <laughs> it doesn't matter um uh, how hard could it be <laughs> exactly exactly everyone gets away with it um let, I, I, you're one of these people that i know who um has just had a baby and it's your first mm -hmm. so how are you getting on it is yeah we're, yeah, we're getting on great he's uh, i mean he's brilliant um life-changing as you know um but yeah i mean this is kind of a perfect time to to really be looking after uh, a five-month-old baby because we're both at home uh yeah he's you know he's he's he was seeing him laugh um you know he's just sort of about to crawl he's doing that sort of things rolling over on his phone so yeah it's it's, it's wonderful being around um, yeah and also that, yeah they change uh when they're that age they change so quickly and so often you know what i mean yeah 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 we've been, we've been looking at back at, i mean he's five months old he was five months old uh yesterday but we've been looking back at pictures when he was first born and gone, I can't remember him looking like that. <laughs> it's just mad. But yeah, no, he's great. Thanks, mate. Great, man. Right. Um, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. So um, I usually start by asking people, like, what was it that made you start mm. playing? Like for you, um, where did you grow up? What was it made you start playing? Who inspired you? Were any of your family yeah. musical? Just the whole, the whole shebang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I'm from Northampton originally. Um, my dad is a musician, so that's how I got into music. Um, he's a piano player uh, and used to play for, I mean, when I was a kid, like Lulu, uh, Des O'Connor. He was Gene Pitney's musical director for like 40 years. Um, he did loads of like summer shows and stuff. I mean, I remember like he did 16 weeks in Scarborough, you know, in a big show, two twice a day. Um, Monday to Saturday um, so I remember as a kid just going into pits and uh, you know watching a band and it was a, there were big bands in those days you'd have a horn section in there you'd have percussion you know you know it's like sort of 12 13 people in the pit um, so yeah and, and I got into it obviously because that's what my dad did but I mean I started playing piano my dad sort of made me play piano when I was like seven or eight and I got to like grade four, I think, something like that. And then I just sort of lost interest in it when I was about 10 or 11. And he knew that. He, he, sort, of, he sort, of, sort of knew that I wasn't really into the piano. And I wasn't really that great as well. And he, he didn't teach me because he didn't want me to pick up his bad habits. But he, he used to, I used to go to a, a piano teacher. And then I remember one day my dad said, oh, come on, show me what, you've, what, you, what you were uh, you know you've, you've learned 
And I remember sort of playing on the piano and I just kept on making mistakes in that. And I remember him, I remember him looking at me and going, you don't want to do this, do you? <laughs> and I thought, mm, this is, this maybe is the time to tell him I want to play drums. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He, he knew anyway, because he, he used to see me go to his gigs and, 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 and stand by the drummer and, and watch the drums all the time. So he literally, you know, just the following week, we drove down to London. He bought me a drum kit and I was like 11, I think then. Um, yeah. But so, it's yeah, nice, um, surely nice to have known because, I mean, mm. I've got to say, this is why I love doing these things because I've known you for mm. quite a few years and I never yeah. knew that. I never knew that yeah, yeah, yeah. about your dad. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that must yeah. have been great knowing he'd been there and done it, had getting mm. the support, you know, obviously all parents are supportive and my parents definitely were, but they weren't musicians, you know, but having a, having a yeah, dad yeah. who's doing it on a daily basis and you're growing up around it really, yeah, yeah. you know, you didn't really have much of a choice, I suppose, did you? No, no, I didn't really know that was the thing. <laughs> but you know what? My dad gave me, it was good because he, he gave me my first sort of professional gig as well. When I was 18, he, he, he was um, touring with Gene Pitney and the drummer couldn't do it. And, and I knew that stuff inside out because I'd known it. That's all I'd sort of listened to when I was a kid. I just went to all the gigs and saw watched Gene Pitney and watched the band play. So I knew it. But he, he, he said, I've got to audition you. So, he, so my dad auditioned me for for the gig, and he got the bass player around, went into the studio, and and we and we sort of ran the ran the gig. And he said, "Okay, yeah, okay, you, you, you know, you've got to be the thing is you've got to be as good as you know anyone else, really." So, but that's yeah. great. That's great that he did that rather than just saying, "Oh yeah, my boy will do it." You know, he can play a bit of drum, yeah. like the fact yeah, that he exactly. actually did it professionally. Yeah, and obviously a bit of nepotism going on. Obviously, a massive amount of nepotism going on. But you know, he. he it was, it was, he didn't make it easy for me. He was tough on me, you know, it was like, you know, and, and if I'd made, if I did anything wrong or made mistakes, he'd, he'd pull me up on it, you know, in front of the band as well, you know. So it was, you know, it was, it was, he was, he was good in that way. So yeah, I, I, that's, that's um, my dad, really, he, he, he got me into it really, yeah. So do you think the, um, do you think the fact that it was such a trial by fire doing gigs like that, kind of thrown in at the deep end and also having was it twofold like you not wanting to let yourself down as a young musician trying to make it out professionally and also not wanting to let your dad down um yeah i think so i mean it's difficult because when, when you're 18 a lot of my mates were just going out going to nightclubs pulling birds and you know and, and, and i was i was practicing all the time or, or doing gigs basically so um i threw myself into it and uh, yeah you're right it, it was a deep end and i think um that's it that's the only well for me that was the only that was the only you know the only way you can sort of do it like, i think my dad's very much like that as well just sort of come on get on with it you know it's you know it's, it's how you do and he also he he was the one who encouraged me to move to london because he said look you're not going to learn anything in northampton you just you know it's, it's it, you've done as much as you can here and i was playing with local bands and and, and kind of the thing I wanted to do was move to London, but I also didn't want to move to London because I thought, well, I'm doing all right here in Northampton. Well, why do I have to move to London? You know, where everyone yeah. else is. So it was quite <laughs> yeah. a scary moment. It was quite a scary moment moving to London, but my dad had said, do it. You've got to do it. So before we get on to like moving to London and getting onto the circuit and the scene and stuff like that, you started yeah. playing 11 or 12 years old. So before, like the, the period where you first started learning, before doing like your gigs, the dad started getting you on yeah. some stuff. Uh, tell me a bit about uh, practice and inspirations and heroes and stuff like that. Okay. Um, 
so when I was young, the first drummer I got into um, was Buddy Rich. Right. And my my drum teacher, my first drum teacher, a guy called Keith Cumberpatch, he um he uh, got me this Buddy Rich snare drum rudiments book, which I have just here. I, I, yes look at that <laughs> look how old it is um which is brilliant so we uh and it's and it's i've just started uh going through it again now i've got loads of time but um yeah he got me into listening to buddy rich and obviously back then it was all like sort of you know it was either tapes or albums and stuff so um I didn't have a, a lot to go on, but he, he gave me a couple of tapes and that's how I listened to him. Um, I never got to see Buddy Rich and I really wish I had it done because um, he died in, in probably late late 80s. But, um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of my first... My dad listened to a lot of jazz as well and big band. Um, so, yeah, I listened to that. And obviously then I started... Then I started going into pop. Started to listen to a lot of pop music. Um I was a massive Level 42 fan, so I loved Phil Gould. So um, he he was another person that I used to just... There was a live at Wembley gig, 86, I think it is, and I just... I literally played that VHS until it wore out um, and, and, and practised along to it and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and my, we had the drum kit up in the attic at the time, um, and... It was a and, and where the drum kit was was above my mum and dad's bedroom, and the, the ceiling uh, came down. Well, not while I was up there, thank God. Oh, God. <laughs> but obviously, like, like like months and months of me whacking the hell out of the drum kit in the, in the attic, <laughs> going down. So then, uh, so then my dad built a shed in the garden. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, that was that was my. Um, yeah, early years of it, I suppose. Do you remember the first time you played, uh, like your first gig, like in front of a crowd of people? The first time, like you kind of performed either with a band or what was it? Um, I think it must have been school. It must have been school band because we had, and we had quite a good school band actually. Um, uh, and did we? And, and funny enough, uh, I met one of the guys I was at school with who was in the band, the guitar player guy, um, last year, and he sent me at. Um, a recording of a gig we, that we did at that school. So, um, and that was it. That was in front of the, it was like the end of the end of the week um, and like Friday afternoon. And we did a gig on in the school hall, you know, behind the curtains and stuff. And then, and we were all getting ready. And, and that was probably the first time, you know, and it's, and it's sort of, cause it was probably like, I don't know, 400 kids there all, you know, I suppose that was kind of the first experience of, of an audience. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. And we sounded not bad, actually. I heard it the other day. <laughs> we weren't too bad at all. But they're such great times, aren't they? You know, because like you, you learn so much of what you do in those early years and those early gigs and the, mm. and what you think is a great gig. And then you'll have a terrible gig and it, mm. it doesn't matter, man. It's all just part of your craft, isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. I so mean, let's move, let's move on to, um, Let's move on to where, where we left off earlier about moving down to London. Then, so how was yeah, that yeah. knowing moving down to London, knowing where, especially at that time, that's where all the work was for any mm. but a muso. You know, why would you want to sort of throw yourself in, and how would you, yeah, how yeah. would you start, and how would you get work? How did it all go for you? I moved. When did I move to London? So nineties. So 
you know, I knew one when I moved to London. I knew one person. I knew one bass player, a guy called James <coughs> Winchester, who sadly died uh, a few years ago. But he, he, um, he, he, he had a, he had a, he was in a band like a covers band, and he sort of uh, got me into that band doing depths for, for for their for their drummer, who was away quite a lot, and and yeah, I, I, and it sort of snowballed from there. And, I'm, and from that, I met other people, and and then I. Uh, there was an agent called Simon Howison. who's still going. Um, and he got me a lot of work as well. And, and back then it wasn't, it, was not, it wasn't emails and stuff. It was all like handing in your tape and, you know, and, and, and posting stuff. It well, that's, yeah. that's that. And you'd wait ages to get a response from anything. Like I, I, I looked, I got um, Melody Maker. And all that, looking at that, you know, going, yeah, I went but... to so many, I went to so many auditions. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. many auditions. Um, in fact, in that, in that bloody rich book, I found a letter from EMI, uh, a rejection letter for auditioning, auditions for auditions for a band. Didn't even say what band it was, but it just said I'd obviously sent in a CV and a, and a tape, and it said, um, and, you know, unfortunately, um, you weren't successful. <laughs> application and it also said i uh, we enclosed uh your tape as well that <laughs> 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 sent it back to me um it's funny though so, because i remember going for things like that as well uh back in melody maker jobs and all that yeah going going into town uh auditioning with a band you know who was signed and blah 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 yeah and then being really gutted when i didn't get it but then i yeah. never heard of them again you know uh, they never went yeah. on to do anything so i thought no, that's well, the thing what am I actually missing out on it? <laughs> and the thing is, a lot of those auditions you went for, the band thought that it was the best thing in the world as well. And and, and that made you think they were as well. So when I'd, I'd be terrified, absolutely terrified yeah. going into auditions, you know, being outside and seeing other other drummers there. And then, you know, and you walking in and it's like, they're all there with their cool hair. And, you know, and it's yeah. just like, yeah. <laughs> and also trying to adapt your style to, to what it was just because you wanted a gig. You know, like yeah, I remember going exactly. going for something that was really Brit poppy. I think it was, I think it was like you, the brother of one of the guys from Supergrass or something like that. Right, and it was right. just like that was not my bag, but I didn't care, and yeah. I would just try and. But they could obviously just they just took one look at me and thought, "Yes, yeah. they're not a guy." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's because I mean there's a lot of those. I did a lot of those auditions and stuff. I mean. Yeah, it was it was a weird time, but that was you know it was mid nineties, you know, and and that's how we, that's how you sort of you know got your name around really yeah. by doing that. Really, there was no there was no no Facebook. No, you know, of course, it was yeah. uh, it, it, it was it was hard. It was, it was really hard. But, so where yeah, did where did you but, end yeah. up? Essentially, like how long did it take you to get up and running down there? And and like tell me about like the first after doing like playing in bands and stuff in town like getting onto playing with the artists that you've played with, how did that all work out? Um, well, in, in sort of mid to late nineties, I got myself in a band that was signed to Sony in America though. And uh, we had a bit of success out there. What was um, the name of the band? Couple, it was called Shooter. And we had a, we had a single on, um, what was the, what was the thing called? Dawson's Creek. There was an American show called Dawson's yeah. Creek. And, and they had an album. They had a, like a, you know, their album of songs and and uh, and we were on that album um and we toured with um destiny's child in really? fact destiny's child supported us on a, on a, on a like a five-day tour because they were just starting out um because they were signed to the same label wow um so we did that for 
couple of years and then obviously it didn't work out um and then i was a bit disillusioned when when that that had all finished because you know we would we'd gone out to america thinking we were going to be mega stars and and you know it, it didn't work out obviously that way sure. um but it was all a bit deflating when we came back so but the guy who managed the band was this simon harrison agent so he he started putting me up to stuff uh as a session player then just you know for artists so um so i was i was back into sort of auditioning again yeah um and some i didn't get some i did get but i think after that the first sort of big gig i did was natalie and Brulia, you know the australian singer sure. so i toured with her for a couple of years was this when mal was doing it as well oh, we've got a, a uh, no this, no this was this was when um perry from pendulum was was dnd oh okay Perry, you know Perry Atgrenid, he's the, the, the Welsh, the, the, him and his brother were in the band, him and, so Perry and Reg is his brother. Um, so this is her, her old band, this is almost like okay. her, her original band oh, from the okay. 90s. So, um, yeah, um, so I, I, I did that for a couple of years and that's kind of, then it sort of snowballed from there really. And I think because at the time she was, she was kind of a big deal and, um, and I think when she had kind of a, a bit of a, you know, some uh, you do a, a name gig, people sort of took took a bit more interest in. Yeah, um, it was it shouldn't be like that really, but it is. I'm afraid, but you know, it's um. So I ended up, yeah, I ended up doing some quite nice gigs after that really. Um, and from Natalie, whilst I was doing um Natalie's gig, um, I got a call from her manager, um, who also managed uh George Michael at the time, and he he just said to me, oh. Simon, are you around tomorrow? Um, I said, oh, yeah, I can be, thinking it was something to do with Natalie. He said, oh, it's um, uh, George Michael's drummers uh, can't do this uh, show we've got. So it's a rehearsal and a live TV on Parkinson. Okay. Are you around? And I went, and I went uh, yeah, <laughs> of, course, of course I'm around. <laughs> um, so I ended up doing that, and that was a real sort of milestone in my career because, I mean, George Michael was, a, you know, was sort of still is a megastar you know and that was um and that was like that was a live performance it wasn't a mime no no it was, it was live yeah um so we, we did a day's rehearsal uh for one song um and then and then did it uh the, the following day but yeah that's i mean that's the only time i've been starstruck as well um, yeah he, right, he was just uh, i mean i mean it was his band that had been with him for years and then and me so and and we we started rehearsals he wasn't there and then he came in and everybody sort of shut up and then manager came over with him and said oh this is simon playing drums over and i remember stood up i shook his hand and i was literally like oh. <laughs> <laughs> i mean the guy the guy had like a wall around it was like whoa this is george michael <laughs> 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 it was mad yeah like, oh, hello. Um, <laughs> trying but, um, to remain professional but there's just yeah, sometimes exactly. you can't yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly, but yeah, I mean, that, again, that was because 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 I played for Natalie, and it just happens they had the same manager. Uh, but you know, that's how things how, how things work out in this industry. You know, it's 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 who you know, and, and... yeah, of course. So, so moving on, then um, I'm trying to bridge the gap to Rick, basically. So so what yeah. happened between then and, and ending up with Rick? Um, so how I ended up playing for Rick Astley. Um, so there was um all these sort of retro festivals that are massive now yeah um that started like sort of maybe 10 years ago 10 15 years ago so there was a there was this this guy started tony denton his promoter 
he had a thing called Here and Now, and yep. it was um, you know artists from back in the day, most of the 80s. And um, I got a call to come in and uh, be in the house band because basically it would be a big, it'd be a big show, uh, an arena somewhere, and they'd have a house band and they'll just bring on you know whoever, and and you'd back them basically. Yep. Um, so Rick was on one of those shows, um, uh, which was kind of weird for me because Rick Astley was the first gig. I went to see in 1988. Really? Yeah, at Birmingham NEC. Um, even weirder than that is that I went with the girl I was going out with at school to see the gig because her dad managed Rick. <laughs> no way. So, so when I so when I met Rick, I went, oh, I came to see you in 1988, and I was going out with your manager's daughter, and he went. What Rachel? <laughs> Little oh, Rachel. Yeah. So so yeah, there was a bit of a connection there. So um so anyway, Rick had sort of just come back to do this like one-off thing. He'd retired basically, he retired in the 90s. He just, you know, he'd had enough of the music industry. So he'd come back and then and then he 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 started doing gigs really, and he just he, he asked me to uh, you know be in his band and stuff. So so, so what year was that? <sighs> It was probably 2009, 2010, okay. around then. So yeah. this is something I really need to point out that's important, right? Mm. Is that you went, you joined him on the basis mm. that at the time he'd done nothing for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't know where it was going to go. And no. as a lot of these other like 80s bands and stuff, you perhaps assumed it would be on those here and now, uh, rewind, mm. all of yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of tours. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Little did you know that a few years down the line, he released an album that would be huge. And yeah. in doing so, you would go along with the, with the, the wave kind of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we talk about it a lot, actually, because, you know, I've, I've, we've been on that roller coaster with Rick where it's like, I mean, we were doing, we've done moves, butlings. You right. know, that's, we were doing those sort of gigs. I mean, and, and nothing against those gigs. In fact, Butlin's gigs are, are always a great laugh, actually, because everybody's absolutely hammered. Um, <laughs> so it's... Uh, they clap loads. And, and, yeah, yeah. So, uh, including the band. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so we, we, we've gone from sort of doing those gigs to like, you know, doing arenas. Uh, and, and, and for this album that he did, um, it, it, was, it was called 50. It was when, he, when he turned 50, um, he he just released an album. Um, I think he, he wrote the album just for himself. He didn't actually, because he didn't have a record deal when he was writing the album. Um, and I think someone just, just got hold of it and went, oh, this is great. So it was, I mean, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He's, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's so great. And he's, and he's brilliant. On a stage, he's, he's just, you know, whether you're a fan of his or not, you, you'd go home going, wow, that was good. Because you know? yeah. he's, he's an entertainer. Of course. You know, um, and also he's got, he always comes across now that, you know, he's got nothing to lose. He's, he's not got to prove anything yeah. to anybody because exactly. he went, he went there back in the day. Hmm. He sort of gave it all up and planned on retiring yeah. and then yeah. had this second lease at it. Hmm. And yeah. And that's, that's the greatest thing. And so did you have any inkling at all that going from doing all those sort of standard gigs with him, the normal sort of smaller gigs, did you have any inkling that all of a sudden it would, it would change because of the album 
and how quickly did it change when you started doing the arenas and, and all the big stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't think it was going to, to it, would, it would get like that. Um, but I think once it, once it, the album did do well and everything, it started to, then it started to change. You could see people sort of taking him a bit more seriously, you know, and I think he came away from the, the retro thing. He, he, he decided not to do those, the, the, the retro festival. Yeah. Um, which I think was a good thing, you know, because, uh, you know, it, it's sometimes you can be too tied to that, you know, yeah. and people just go, oh, just play, your, just play your stuff, you know, your hits you want to hear, you know, but, and I think since the album came out and he's had a couple of albums since then, he, you know, people now come to listen to the other stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm just, I'm just pleased it happened to him really. Cause he, cause like I said, he's just a, such a great guy. Um, and, and, it's, and it's a great gig as well. The bands are great. It's, it, it's, yeah, I couldn't wish for a better gig really. Yeah. So, great, man. And what was the, what was the bizarre, what have been some of the more bizarre moments with him? Cause what was the thing with the Foo Fighters? Oh my God, that was weird. Um, so yeah, we did this um, Summer Sonic Festival in Japan. It's huge. It's a bit like, I suppose it's a bit like our sort of V Festival kind of, where they where there's 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 one in Tokyo, one in Osaka, and then they switch. Okay. Like, uh, the, the following day, or um, so we were. Where were we? We were Tokyo, and so the Foo Fighters were on, were headlining in the stadium and we'd been on earlier on in the daytime. So we were on at about, everything's on quite early in Japan. Nothing goes past about nine o'clock, but we were on at about two in the afternoon and the Foo Fighters were on at like seven. So we were done by like three and, if, and Rick was going, oh, we can go and see the Foo Fighters apparently, but apparently we can just, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take us because you have to get in a minibus and get there because we're in a big uh, area. And, uh, and, and I was like, oh, I don't know whether we should just go back to the hotel and chill and get something to eat and all that sort of thing. Anyway, we had a few drinks in the afternoon watched a few other bands and it got to like six o'clock and, and, and he went, should we, should we do it? I said, yeah, okay. So anyway, our tour manager sorted all out. We got in this, this minibus. We ended up going to behind the stage and then we were, and then we were thinking, oh, well, they're, they're just going to put us somewhere like out, I don't know, it was in a stadium. So we thought like a box or something, some sort of area. But anyway, we were right at the side of the stage, literally, literally next to the guitar tech and all the guitars. And stuff. Wow. Feeling, and, feeling uh, right in the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, um, they rock out, you know, and it's uh, and it's brilliant, and the crowd are going nuts and that. And then you can see Dave Grohl sort of looking over every now and then, you know. And 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 we, Rick said that he thought that he was looking at his guitar set, like you know there was something wrong. But he kept on looking over, and eventually Dave Grohl just came off stage and went up to Rick and went, "You're Rick." <laughs> <laughs> But like anyway, they sort of literally just, just went, hey, well, I know, fucking high five each other or cuddle, whatever it was. In, in the middle of the gig. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of a stadium gig. Wow. And then, um, and then um, about 10 minutes later, the, the, a tour manager or manager or somebody came over and said, Dave wants you to get up and sing like that. So anyway, well, and it, before he'd even had the chance to think about it, Dave Roll just shouted, come on, we're, we're going to get someone out, blah, blah, blah. And they got him out. And he came out on stage and nothing was planned at all. And it, oh. weirdly, they were doing, they'd been rehearsing Never Gonna Give You Up for something they were doing in America the following week. They, just, they were just learning it for something they were doing. And they realised that they could play Smells Like Teen Spirit over the top of it. 
So they so they did like a mashup, and and if you watch it back, you can see Dave Grohl literally whispering Rick's ear to say, "Look, we're going to do this, blah blah, just follow us," and that and that's how it happened. Um, oh my god! And even more bizarre was about ten minutes before the gig ended, the, the manager came over again and said, "Do you want to hang with the guys afterwards?" And we were like, uh, "Yeah." So after the gig, that's they came off stage, got into like a people carrier. Behind their people carrier was a people carrier for us, and they had a police escort back to their dressing room, which was, was off-site. It was quite a way away. And we were following behind them. They got out, went to their rooms. That we, they put us in a green room, um, and then they just came in, and we just hung with them for, like, two hours. Amazing. It I was, mean, it was mad. It's better, than, it's better than going back to the hotel for a sandwich and a kip, yeah, like you were thinking yeah, before, exactly. right? Which, which, is, which is what... Adam, our guitar player, did. No <laughs> way. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you ever see him, mention it to him. <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. That's Whenever I do meet him, that's going to be my yeah. opening gambit. Yeah, so tell me about yeah. going back uh, back to yeah, yeah. the hotel for a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, yeah, you know you're yeah, missing out on a historical event, you know, like oh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, he he, he, he said he, he he sort of got into bed and he had the TV on and he ordered some room service. And he said, because we're all in a group WhatsApp, he just saw the pictures coming through. It was like oh. a picture of me with Taylor Hawkins and like and our front, front of house engineer with Dave Grohl with his arm around him and stuff. And oh, he was just like, like no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor lad must have been crying. Oh, I know, I know, it was, it was. But I mean, it was one of those things, it was so not planned and all, everything about, I think that's the, they're the best nights, aren't they? Where you don't, you, yeah. who knows what's going to happen. But it was, I mean, literally, um, you couldn't meet a nicer bunch of guys. Right. You know, you'd think that the whole rock star thing, they're going to be a bit too cool for school. Dave Roll was just like a, the most normal person I've ever met in my life. Great, man. That's how you want him to be, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, and since then, Rick and Dave Grohl have become quite good friends, and they text each other, and and every and if they're over in London, Dave Grohl will ask Rick to come along to some gig, or, or they'll do, you know, they'll end up doing something together. So they've, they've actually formed quite a nice relationship. That, yeah, like see, that. that's that's yeah. brilliant. Also, the fact that the story you've just told has become kind of infamous. You know what I mean? Like because I, I've I've heard Rick talk about it before. The yeah. fact that you were there for it and you saw it all happen oh, first yeah. man. What a moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 I was, because I, I was standing next to Rick. So I was, right. it was almost like, I, I was him. It was like, Dave Grohl came over. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was just like watching like the TV. <laughs> 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 I mean. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, other than Rick, you've done some, you've, you know, re, albeit, uh, Steps or or gigs you've you've played with other sort of eighties bands as well. Uh, Go West, Banana Rama. You did one of the recent tours with the, with those girls, didn't you? I did their reunion tour when they when the when the original three got back together. So it was when um, uh, Siobhan came back because yeah. she because she'd gone off in the eighties to do Shakespeare's sister. So um, so the three yeah the original three got back together um, and that was great. I mean it was a sellout that tour. We did like three nights at Hammersmith Odeon. Great. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I've done a, I've done a lot with them. I, I um yeah, go west of debt quite a bit on. And I love that gig. It's such a great gig. I bet. Um and now uh, Ben, our friend Ben Lockery, he 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 does another lefty. 
Yeah, I'm, um, I'm desperately. I, you know, we had, I know we had a conversation <laughs> before I started recording this, but uh, yeah, Ben is Ben is a, a friend of ours. He's a lefty guitarist. He's in Australia yeah. at the moment, and I'm trying to get him on here, but we're just trying to find out, yeah. work out the right time that we can both do it. You know, but he will be on yeah. it because he's brilliant. You know. Well, Ben was. Um, I or uh, so talking of auditions. So Go West drummer was on tour, and Go West. Uh, were auditioning guitar players and ben was one of the guitar players who came to the audition right so i remember being we, we rehearsed at bush studio i uh, auditioned at bush, bush studios and um i think they had to they had to play we close our eyes and don't look down or something but yeah we, there was loaded loaded i mean there must have been 10 guitar players that day but ben was coming in and it was like oh fucking hell that's it yeah absolutely i mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is it. I mean yeah. you know bearing in mind his dad was in go west as well yeah and that's so yeah um, that's that's so i mean that two twofold really you know the fact that you were there for him on his audition must have been great that he had a familiar face and also the whole thing that our other friend ben's dad the the legend that is jazz lockery was also a touring touring bass player for go west in the 80s as well so it sort of comes full circle doesn't it so yeah that's and and, and, and i got when i got home that day jazz Jazz texted me to say, how did the boy do? You're right. Like that. And I, and, I, and I just put, I said, he did great, mate. I said, he, I said if it was down to me, I'd, I'd, I'd you know, he'd, I'd, he'd, he'd be in, mate. But it's not, you know. And he said, and he just put, oh, sorry, just nervous bag. Oh, but I mean, ben, ben, ben smashed it. There was, no, there was, there was, you know, there was never going to be anyone else who was going to, uh, from certainly from that day, who was going to do it a better job. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. And, absolutely. He, and he had all that. I mean, he grew up listening to that stuff. I think he's got Alan Murphy's guitar. So, um, yeah, I heard he, that. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got it. I think he's got it on his on his wall at home. But um, yeah. So he and he had all, he had all that he had all that sound down. You know. Um, yeah. Alan Murphy sound, which which, which is that is the guy western, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean it's funny because he like you say he would have grown up around it just like just like he grew up sort of sitting in the pit with jazz, uh, you know, doing yeah, yeah. and then that he started Depp on Mamma Mia, which is something we should mention because that's something that we, we yeah. both do. And how long have you been a Depp on yeah. Mamma Mia in London? I've done Mamma Mia, oh, it must be, uh, must be eight or nine years now. It's got yeah, okay. I mean, the, show, the show's been going for about a hundred years. Yeah, but... I think it's 115 <laughs> years it's been going for. <laughs> and long may it continue. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's that was kind of my first sort of you know dip into the West End depping really, and I've done a few things since then, but that was the most terrifying I've ever been. I think depping on a, on a West End show. This is the third conversation I've had with someone, and this whole thing keeps yeah. coming up of 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 how, and that's the word I usually use, terrifying. It is yeah. your first time. The weird thing is, I've often thought for you as a Depp on Mamma Mia doing your first one, the drums are obviously in a back room. They're not in the pit. Yeah. So there's a big divide yeah. between you physically and the pit and the audience. Uh, did mm. it help you being back there or is it worse? Uh, because you? Mm, I don't know. I mean, for me, because I really hadn't done much of that sort of thing before, it was, I, I didn't really know any different. So yeah, it, 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 the, the weirdest thing was back then is that the drums triggered the clicks. Oh, really? Uh, orig- originally, yeah. So wow. you literally have your hand on a, on a on a start button, and you, and it and it was it was it was as you know it's, it was it was bar one beat one. Yeah. It was it was in. 
it was it was it was like that so um and the click now yeah, is done by the, the click now is done uh by the keys four chair isn't it yeah yeah so, so was, you um, had to so your first step on the show you had to you're in charge of the click and oh man yeah, yeah forget it forget yeah, it. it was horrible honestly no honestly I've, I've never been so scared in fact frosty the, the the drummer who does the show um the legend he, uh, is he frosty he is the legend he is a legend indeed um he was behind me watching me obviously taking notes which is also yep. terrifying yes um and, and 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 he said that i because i because because of i had to start the clicks he said your hand was doing this i bet, I bet. <laughs> waiting for the cue and you know yeah but it was you know uh, i mean I, it was it went well um i like to think because they've asked me back but um yeah it was it was horrible and i don't know i don't know how people i know a lot of people do that for a living depping in this in the west end i mean yeah i mean I, I i've said you know on the previous ones of these i've done quite a few now but it and it, it doesn't really get any easier you know but i think it also it's great at keeping you on your toes and the other strange thing is what i haven't mentioned so far what you just touched on is uh with some shows and definitely mamma mia when you go in as a depth for the first time the person who holds a chair sits and babysits you so not only have you got everything else going on and the show and the band and the, mm. and the audience and blah, blah, blah. You've got the guy who you're potentially going to be covering for doing lots of work in the future, sat right next to you. Yeah. And that's kind of a weird thing as well. And I'm not sure what's more daunting having them sat next to you, but then I've done quite a lot of depths where you don't get babysat and you just turn up and you just do the gig. It's a mm. weird one. I think that's probably better because you can just completely focus get, get, on, get the on show it. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than yeah. knowing Mind you, I got to say, when when I first went in for Terry, which must be eight years ago, he was just basically sat there on his iPad. You know, not really. <laughs> I think he was looking at guitars or something. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I mean, I always I always set up to say that drums are the, any harder than anything else, but I think because drums are so different and, and and players are so different with drums. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a you know, there's so much going on, different different you know things. That they, I think that can be a you know, there's so many tiny little bits where oh, that hi hat part's not like all oh, this, all that. You know, it, it, it's and it's you, you can't you try and go in and emulate as much as you can as the person who does the gig, but you can't really because it's because every every player's different. Yeah, and, and also there's a part of you that wants to emulate this the original song itself, but in a strange yeah. way you're not. You're you're, yeah. you're playing how the person you depth for would play that song. You know. It's yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. And naturally, you can't hide your own spin on things. Whatever instrument you play, there's always going to be part of you come out, even if it's the most minute thing in a little yeah. bit of vibrato here or a little something there. And with drums, it's the same. You know, I I've played the show many many times with you. I've yeah, played yeah. the show many, many times with Frosty. It's all mm. absolutely in the right place, but mm. it's different. You know what I mean? It sounds different yeah, because yeah, you're yeah, different players. It's impossible to be exactly the same as someone else. Yeah. And the thing is, sometimes you, you, you sort of go in, if you haven't been in for a while, and, and you expect to come out of there and everyone go, oh, that was fucking great. And no one said yeah. anything. And you think, yeah. I've done something wrong. Right. <laughs> or, you know, you get, you get really sort of like paranoid. Yeah. That, 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 that you know, and I think that's the, that's the, that's another part of, the, of the, I think of the West End because it's, it's it's you know they, they, they do what eight shows a week you know for how many years it's just it becomes a it's a job isn't it and, that's right you know but, absolutely but for us going in depping which is a big deal you 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 think whoa and you, you know everyone's just like oh she goes to the pub yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it's just another Friday night or a Monday night for them or whatever you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know um so yeah I, you know I. I 
I, I, like I said, I don't do loads of depping in the West End, but you know, it is, it is a, you've, you've got to have nerves of steel really going in there. And, and Yeah. But I think it really does keep you on your toes and it keeps you a good musician and you don't get stuck in a rut. And also it's the personal challenge of like when you're sent a pad for a new show to go and dep on and you think, God, you know, you get your, and you look at the first page, you think, here we go again, you know, and you're going through yeah. it, but that's, that's what keeps you good, man. Yeah. That's what, that's yeah, what keeps no, yeah. the, the engine running. Yeah. I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about, um, some of this might go over my head, but I will try my best. Let's talk about gear. What gear do you use? Right. Um, so I've recently got a new drum deal with, um, Natal. <laughs> uh, okay. That I do oh, you know. Because you, oh, you know, because of Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who so, do you deal with? Is, uh, who's, uh, is so it George? George? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's still George, there. George Frederick. So, good so George Frederick. I was so a few years ago he worked for Premier, right? Uh, and I was with them. So and then oh, I had a deal after that with someone else, and then I've only recently got in contact with George maybe a couple of years ago, and um, I just said oh, I'm out of a deal. He said, "Well, look, I've got no, I'm, I'm with Natal now," and, and we were doing um. So Rick was supporting um Take That on their big tour, and we were playing the um, Milton Keynes Football Stadium. Yeah, which is up across is, the road from Marshall. Exactly. So he just said, look, why don't you pop in to Marshall and um, I've got an office here and come and look at some of the gear. So, yeah, I, I went into the um, into into the, into there and we had a nice chat and tried some drums out. And, yeah, and, um, funny enough, I took Rick there because Rick's got on a tile drum kit as well. So Rick went, came up with me. To, so just It might have been about this time last year, just before lockdown. We drove up to Milton Keynes and uh, George went, oh, I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll do a tour, do a tour of the factory. Factory, classic so, factory tour. So, yeah, so it was really good. So we, had, we ended up we ended up showing us around everywhere. We got through freebies and and then there was that. There was a strange little room where they said there's one guy who just, just tries the guitars. Yeah, it's, it's the... Uh, it's the, <laughs> or, the, the, the... No, it tries the amps. Yeah, it's the final test for him, isn't it? They cut the production line rolls through a little room, and there's a, a guy yeah, in there. That's it. Yeah, because Rick was like, "Oh, do you just what song do you play on on, on the guitar through the amp?" He said, "Well, I've only got one string." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just hitting a string person. <laughs> do you know what though? In a strange turn of events, when I was very young, before yeah. I had any connections with Marshall whatsoever, I looked around the Marshall factory just as a, as a fan because mm. I used to go to all the guitar shows and I used to get Jim to sign my posters and. There was one time, uh, you know, me and my dad went to look around the factory and I remember going into that little room and there's the guy just doing a, a line test on the final amp before it goes into be packaged up. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to be that the guy in that room. You know what I mean? <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, no. So anyway, I've got that. So that's, um, I'm with Natal now. And uh, I mean, I got the kit about a year ago, but obviously we were supposed to, we were supposed to go on tour last May, and um, and then obviously that didn't happen. Um, so, so what you're trying years... to say is, Natal signed you up as a new artist, and you do absolutely nothing yeah, for a year. I've done, yeah, exactly. I've done, I've done one, I've done one gig on the new kit. So we were back in <laughs> September. We did, we did, we did one of those driving gigs, um, uh, which was, you know, lucky we could do one of those things, but. Um, uh, we were supposed to do another one, but it all got the yeah, lockdown happened again. But um, yeah, so I've used that kit. I've used that kit once, and it's just and it's just now sitting in a lockup, um, which is a shame, really. But I mean, I can't wait to get out and just you know start playing again. Really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it will come, man. It will come. Uh, and you've mm. got a nice new kit to to play on. What about uh, symbols and stuff like that? 
Uh, Zildjian. Zildjian okay. symbols. Uh, what, what about Sticks? Vic Firth? Sticks. Vic Firth, yeah. Are they five, five A's? B's. Oh, five B's. Five B's. They're almost. Oh, I was close. Yeah, would sit five B's. Um, uh, yeah. Um, again, I haven't, I mean, you know, it's, 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 I mean, I've literally just got a practice pad where I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having a, you know, to keep my, you know, chops up every now and then. I mean, I haven't got the room to play. Um, a full kit, but I've got a studio uh, that I use around the corner, so I'll go nice. there every now and then. Yeah, great man. Yeah, so it, great. that's the thing with that's the thing with drums. You've got to have a lot of room, or, or you know, or you've got to have a soundproof, yeah, soundproof room. They're the most impractical thing to to play, yeah. really, aren't they? Have yeah. you ever used an electronic kit? Well, I got one for my kids, you know, which they use. Yeah, I have, but it's not the same. No, um, of course, it's the. Uh, uh, and also they're really expensive aren't they if you get if you get, if you get top notch one they're yeah. like three or four grand or yeah um, crazy isn't it but um no i haven't i mean you know uh, funny enough i did some <laughs> another show that i depth on in the in, in uh in the west end was the commitments right and that was that was all on electric kit which was again was a was a playing soul music on an electric <laughs> kit which was really weird and then it kept breaking and as a death oh. it was just a nightmare Sometimes you hit the hi-hat and nothing would happen. It really... <laughs> My God. Yeah, stay, stay, stay away from electrics. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, Simon Mary, thank you very uh, much. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate.